Is money slipping through your fingers? Are you missing your opportunity to become a millionaire? Welcome to The Millionaire Choice, where we talk to millionaires and future millionaires about how to build wealth and what to do with it once you have it. We're here to help you do two things. Make your millionaire choice and create your own millionaire plan. Here's your host, speaker, wealth coach, and author of The Millionaire Choice. He made his choice and he created his millionaire plan at age 25. Now it's your turn. Welcome your host, Tony Bradshaw. Welcome back to the Millionaire Choice Show. Today on the show, we've got a special treat for you. We're going to have a lot of great conversation. I'm talking with Kenneth Amaduri. He is the chief editor for Crush the Street. And I've got to admit, I'm a little bit jealous of Kenneth because uh, when, while I became a millionaire at age 40, Kenneth was able to do it at age 30. And so I just want to encourage everybody listening to the show, all the future millionaires out there, uh, this isn't some kind of pipe dream. It really just comes down to setting your mind to it, making the right life and financial choices uh, to be able to hit that goal. And uh, anybody can do it wherever you grew up. And we're going to get some great stories today out of Kenneth. Uh, he had a very good, interesting childhood, and I can't wait for him to share it with you. Kenneth, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And thanks for that introduction. I hope I, uh, I'm not that smart of a guy, I, I have to say. I, you know, and so you say that, I, got, I became a millionaire, and, and it really... I guess it's that extra hard work I put in and mindset like the, the show is called that got me here because unfortunately there was, I guess there's a lot of smart people around me, smarter people than me that are, are working a lot harder than I am at this moment. And I'm grateful for where I am, super grateful, been very blessed. And I, I love to share what uh, my journey has been. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. Now, before we get into you know all your money wisdom and all the things you've done to make money to become a millionaire, uh, it didn't start there. And a lot of us start up from really humble beginnings. And uh, you were sharing with me just before the show a little bit about your family and how you grew up, some of the experiences and, and just the mindset. And I, want, I really want the audience to hear that side of your life. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. It goes back to the early days. Uh, my mom was a devout Christian. You know, we were a Christian family. And I can tell you that uh, she taught me from the moment I was born to give so grateful for the, the work, the effort, and the passion my mother had for me to, to serve others. And I saw that play out in my life, in my work, uh, as time went on. Uh, and I'll tell you, uh, it's these seeds that were planted at very young ages that I, I got to see flourish and I got to apply to my business uh, now, which has turned it into what it is today. But what, what I'll tell you is my mom was not anyone that came from any affluent background. In fact, she was an immigrant here to the US and her parents were immigrants from Argentina uh, from Italy after Europe has been decimated. So my mom has seen a lot of change in her life poor, if you will, came to America, lived the American dream. So uh, she experienced lots of problems in her country, hyperinflation in Argentina, government corruption from the top down. And keep in mind, Argentina was uh, an economic bash bastion, you know, after World War II. People were flooding there because of the prosperity and the opportunity for a better life that got destroyed by socialism and communism and excess and mismanagement of that excess, which I think is happening in the U.S. 
unfortunately. Uh, I tend to be a little pessimistic as to what we see going on in this overarching theme of socialism that is coming into our country. But uh, having said that, you know, I've always had this questioning of the government and that feeling of needing to uh, do something for myself and take actions for myself, which is the reason why I, I, I guess I was always fearful of, of being broke. My father lost his job multiple times as we were growing up. And I saw the fear that, you know, my mom and dad had when he would lose his job. And I, I was always worried about being in that position. So I was always incentivized to, to work, to save and to build something. And, you know, even in 12 years old, I'd sell candy at school. Uh, in high school, I was running around with uh, real estate agents, just watching them sell, you know, knocking on doors and, and uh, knowing that I was learning how to make money as I was older, whether it was selling, whether it was getting involved in businesses, partnerships, investments, buying stock. I knew that I was building a machine that can operate, that can build and build momentum where when I move the needle, right, when you build these machines that have leverage and you move the needle, you get a lot done. And that's what I feel like we've had now. I mean, I work a certain amount uh, now, but it, it's much more beyond anything I can do personally, individually. My business has grown a lot larger than me because it's been built. And so um, that's a powerful thing that I'm so grateful I understood at a, at a very young age because a lot of people underestimate power of step-by-step -step growth and building of businesses that compound years and years down the road. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I, do, I do agree with that. And I think that the basis, the foundation, you know, is, it just is in my book, The Millionaire Choice, you have, uh, you know, the first thing you got to deal with is strong discipline uh, or character, uh, strong character development. Uh, that's millionaire key number one, you know, centered around responsibility, strong work ethic, focus, uh, discipline. And, um, and a lot of that you're saying you got from your Christian values that your mom instilled in you. Now, it's, it's interesting when people tell their story because a lot of times you tell it so many different times that you just kind of hop over little pieces that are real important. And so I just want to rewind just a little bit and uh, go back to the part where you, you talked about your, your grandparents being immigrants from Italy after World War II going to Argentina. And then after Argentina, your mother came to America. I want to highlight the fact that, uh, you know, Argentina, while she was down there, that's when she saw all of the, the socialism come in and basically the corruption and the government and uh, the hyperinflation, right? And, and hyperinflation, what does that look like for people? Well, it's currency. Uh, it's what's happening to the money. It's faith in the country uh, that gives money its value. And so when people trade their goods, their services, for money and they store their wealth in, in currency, I mean, that could represent 30 years of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears going into uh, currency. And they printed currency into oblivion in Argentina. And they saw, you know, thousands of percent an increase um, in the, the money supply. And they watched purchasing power get destroyed and decimated. And people there don't trust the banks. They'll buy real estate with that money. They'll buy anything. They'll buy gold. They'll buy Bitcoin because they do not trust the government. And the government has to then become more and more authoritarian to control people, to keep them in this very thing that they don't want to be in because 
they're losing control of the situation. And I know that's a, a little bit pessimistic, and, and, but we've seen that in other parts of the world. And unfortunately, I tend to think that we're getting to these third world dynamics here in the U.S. We were talking about corruption with the elections. I mean, what sort of banana republic are we potentially seeing here in the U.S. where we can't trust our system, which is treasonous, uh, that somebody would dilute a someone else's vote and take away that right that we have as a citizen uh, to voice instances where we are trending third world. And I believe we're losing control of the republic here in the U.S. that was so special uh, that was that's what made our country so great in freedom. I mean, look what's going on with big tech right now, controlling the narratives. By the way, verified information, proven information, they do not publish false data, false stories. Um, you know, and and I think the interesting thing there is, you know, and, and you see it coming out now. Uh, we had three years of Russia collusion, false information, and fake news. Nothing was ever proven. All proven to be falsified. Uh, never censored, never covered. And then now you turn around and got the New York Post with verified data, real information, and they do get censored. So, and it's interesting when your mom came from that, like coming from Argentina, where you see the hyperinflation. And one of the things you mentioned to me earlier was uh, the corruption, but like your bank accounts being frozen, not just like one bank account, but like the bank accounts of everybody in the entire country uh, being frozen where you can't even access your cash. Um, those are those are real things that do happen in other countries, uh, and and you're saying that you know you're seeing symptoms uh, through this voter fraud uh, of those kinds of things that you see, and your your family has actually witnessed in other countries. Absolutely, and so when it comes to inflation, I mean, look at what we've seen with the U.S. money supply. You know, three trillion dollars in months. You know, the M2 money supply increasing out of nothing. $3 trillion worth. And when you think about that in relation to gold and what the value of gold is, gold is a $10 trillion asset that's been mined for thousands of years. It's taken thousands of years to create $10 trillion. Meanwhile, you have the government snapping his fingers and creating that in, in weeks. And so, sure, it's backed by the U.S., it's backed by all the businesses. It's backed by the federal government. I mean, there's a lot behind that that we can say, hey, you know, it's not going to be destroyed tomorrow. But the degradation and the lack of control that we're seeing from our government to maintain the system and modern monetary theory, which says you can just print and spend and, you know, deficits don't matter, debt doesn't matter. I don't necessarily agree with that. I ultimately, these things do matter. We're only getting away with it because we are the US. We're the biggest country in the world. Whereas if you were Argentina, yeah, you really could experience hyperinflation. And there are problems because people go, who cares about Argentina? They blow up over there and, and no one cares. But the US is so tied in that it gets away with a lot more until it doesn't. And so all of this is a slippery slope. And people don't, it's hard for people to put their finger on the problems that the country is having. And unfortunately, people don't critically think because they don't, they don't understand the things that are going on in government ultimately impacts what happens in our daily life. There's such a disconnect with that. 
so we don't fully appreciate and we don't fully uh, anticipate what this is going to mean 10 years from now, 20 years from now. I would argue that the reason why so many people are uh, still living in their parents' basements are because of the the problems we've seen in government year after year, you know, and, and competition we've lost as a country to countries like China, Russia, India. Uh, we've lost that competitive edge. So that standard of living has been shifted from the U.S. to other parts of the world. And so that, is, I mean, it's pessimistic, but it's the reason why you want to be in front of your finances and aware of what is going on to give you that extra edge to go out and be competitive and get ahead. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's like, be prepared. As I say, no one ever thinks the party's going to end. They think things are going to continue as they are. So, you know, if you have a job, you think your job's is safe and it's going to continue and you don't prepare for like, you know, you talked about your father losing his job several times in his life. A lot of people don't prepare for those kinds of uh, hiccups in the road or, you know, as I did last year in 2019, actually, I had a kidney removed and I didn't plan on being in the hospital for or being really essentially out of work commission for 60 to 90 days. You know, that wasn't in my plan, but fortunately I had a, a, a good enough financial plan overall that, uh, that took care of me that way. So I planned for my finances. I did not plan for kidney removal surgery uh, that went, went uh, sideways on me. But yeah, I think those are good, good points that you're making there. So let me just recap for everybody that's listening. Uh, we've got Kenneth here. He is a, a millionaire by age 30. Wow. Blew me away. And uh, anybody can do this thing, maybe not by age 30, but you know, you'll have your day that you can do it. We just need to get a plan together for you. We need to create that millionaire plan for you. And uh, you know, his parents grew up, his mother grew up in Argentina, moved to immigrant to the U.S. So we got two generations of immigration from Italy to Argentina, then back into the United States. And so uh, you really didn't come from a solid foundation like when, and that's what I love about your story is, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to some people who came to America from China with 50 bucks in their pocket and now they're millionaires, you know, and you came from a, a family that didn't have a lot of stability. And so you, you didn't have a foundation under you when you were, you know, you were born here, but somehow you still made it into this uh, millionaire status. So let's turn the corner a little bit uh, and talk about like, you know, you, you talked about character and the principles your parents instilled in you, but where did you pick up your financial mindset? When did that start to materialize for you? Yeah. You know, I think about that a lot because obviously I, I was always interested in money in a way and making money and, and figuring out how to make money. And I think little, that was started with just, you know, getting 20 bucks here and there for Christmas and the tooth fairy. And that always fascinated me. So I'm, I'm grateful that I actually was attracted to that and didn't just blow it off or go spend it. Uh, I was always fascinated with seeing that money grow, which again, I think certain things you just get lucky with and uh, that was easy for me. So uh, that was, that's important. You need to be okay with money growing in your bank account and not just blowing it. Uh, and so deferring that gratification was was absolutely huge uh, but i would also say that understanding people because understanding what goes on with trends and society and what people are going to be doing and where the money is going to be flowing a lot of that happens with understanding people selling the people uh, speaking with people connecting with people networking is that it's understanding others and being compassionate uh, and dealing with others because that was a big thing. That's a big thing now, just dealing with business partners or, or associates, vendors, uh, problems. I mean, being able to have a heart for people 
is uh, I, I know it sounds kind of like, you know, out there, it's just like, like a nice thing to say, but it, it really does. I do attribute that to, you know, financial success is understanding people. And so that was at a very young, young age. I mean, I, I graduated from uh, Cal Poly Pomona in California and I went for a business degree. I always knew I wanted to be in business. I didn't care almost didn't care what kind of business. I just knew that I wanted to build something that would become a machine and have investments that would pay me dividends and, and uh, real estate, own real estate that would give me cash flow. I, I, I understood all of that because I knew that at a certain point I can slow down while my, my business and my investments continue to grow. And so that was what drove me again at a very young age. I mean, I was watching the stock market in eighth grade, watching what's going on with the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, what's going on with gold and silver. And then uh, following the, the 08 financial crisis, because I was all ready to start, honestly, at 18 years old, I wanted to buy my first house. And I, I wasn't able to because I graduated into the 08 crisis. And I'm glad I, I didn't buy a house because that would have been a, a real disaster. Uh, but I graduated high school into the 08 crisis. And I, um, that's when I really started to understand kind of the problems in the economy, the problems in, in finances and debt and mismanagement of money and interest rates and all these dynamics that have really distorted the economy, which led me down to financial education and, and partnering with companies is what we do at, at Crush the Street. It's interesting that you say that. It's, it's kind of funny because uh, I think one of my first financial things I wanted to do was to buy a house when I started having my financial wake-up call. I remember trying to get my best friend uh, to get into this house with me and pay me rent. I'm like, I'm going to buy the house. I'm going to move you in. You'll be my renter. And uh, he threw a little bit of water on my idea because he's like, oh, I'm not going to move in your house and pay you rent, but I'll co-own it with you. And I'm like, forget it. I I'm not doing co-ownership. And so I stayed at home with my parents and paid rent to them. And I was, you know, minor, like basically covered food and that's about it. Right. Um, so I just sa saved everything I had and stocked it away. But um, yeah, it's interesting. So when did you get your first house? When did you end up doing that? It was the house I moved into. I moved out of my parents' house. I was 22 years old. I bought a condo uh, about 15 miles from where my parents lived. And uh, that's when I, I got my, my first investment property. It was early in the, the reflation of the California market. It was at a very good time strategically. I wish I bought uh, a couple more of those specific uh, homes. Uh, but then I started buying cash flow real estate too. You know, I have some homes in Tennessee. I got some, some stuff in Florida. I got some stuff in Texas. I, I wanted to grow that cash flow. But the appreciation, I will say, with the leverage in California after we saw what we saw with the, the growth, uh, the, again, the, the real estate market uh, reinflating, uh, that was a powerful thing that we saw. And, and it's, I've seen great returns on my investment on that. And, and that was, again, going back to that playing the long game is owning my first house and knowing that I'll be able to rent it out because I still own it. I have, it's, you know, a great rental I have in California was the first condo I moved into. Minimal maintenance, you know, the same mortgage I've had, low taxes, all these things, uh, and the properties doubled what it what it was back in 2011. So, 
um, yeah, that was my first one. Yeah, I think that's good. I think if I look at sometimes people ask me what are some of the biggest financial mistakes I made, and uh, I'm an anti-debt guy, so for me it was very important to erase all debt and stay out of debt. Uh, I still have that mindset, um, and I, I so I try to pay cash for everything I buy, including houses. Um, but I, if I could go back and redo my financial choices, uh, I would have kept my first house. I think that was a mistake to sell it. Uh, but I got rid of it because the teaching I was under at that time was to to not have any debt. And so we had to, we had our first child in our first house, then we were having our second child. So we needed a bigger place. And so we moved. But our first house, our house note was $500 a month. The house cost me $62,500 to buy it. It was a thousand square feet, little cottage built in 1935. And uh, today it's worth over 300000 So... I mean, that would have been a, a nice 500% return on that investment. And I could have easily afforded that $500 a month, especially if you move a renter in. I mean, I probably could have charged $1,000 a month for rent on that thing. And uh, I just wasn't thinking that way at that time in my life. And, uh, you, know, it, you know, older and wiser and make different decisions. So, you know what though? And if I can just comment, it's sometimes hard to to put yourself in the position of five years from now because – you could potentially lose your house in six months because of your current financial situation. That's tough. And I think that's one of the reasons why you don't like to have debt. And I would agree with you on that, but it's, it's difficult because in the middle, like, you know, hindsight is 2020, who knows what the market's going to do in two months. I may not, I may have, you know, I, why would I keep all this real estate? Because in two months we might see a crash. And so I get that, you know, in maintaining that bill, um, you know, in the, in the cost that goes into it, the heaters, the air conditioning, the maintenance, um, it's hard to make those long-term decisions in the moment because you're looking at your current scenario and having to hold on to it because you got to service that, that mm -hmm. house. So uh, that resonates with me a lot. And, and, but sometimes you have to think, what's this going to be in 10 years from now? And they make that the goal. Yeah, and I think that's a good case because at that time in my life, uh, I did not understand enough about finances to make a different decision really than I did. And I, and I you know, and I, this is probably something I'm guilty of. And so let me just encourage everybody that's listening, future millionaires that are listening, is I was very much a do-it-yourself kind of guy. So I was always figure it out, gain the wisdom that you need, study, and then make the best decision possible. I really didn't have a lot of mentors in my life at that time and uh, still need a few today more than I have. But if I had had good mentoring, or as I call a money mentor, that's millionaire key number four, is had a money mentor in my life at that time, I would have had somebody I could go talk to that would have maybe guided me on my financial decision uh, related to selling that house or turning it into a rental. And so I think that would have been a key element for me. Uh, so let me ask you that question. Uh, do you have any mentors or have you had mentors that walked through you know, your financial decisions with you on your path to becoming a millionaire? Well, I would say my partner, uh, Daniel, uh, he is, I've always considered him uh, someone that I've always bounced ideas off of and, and mentored me in a way and, you know, go back and forth with each other. Even though we're partners, definitely feel that, you know, synergy when it comes to financial decision making, which I, I greatly appreciate. And uh, I would also say I have a, a life coach and I'm super grateful for for that because it, it's somebody who's able to really help you in your state, your mindset, 
uh, and when you're dealing with problems, how, how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with insecurities. I mean, all of these things that poison our abilities to function as an entrepreneur, I would, I highly recommend it because if you're starting your day off with poison, you know, in your minds and you're not able to have that gratefulness and gratitude and uh, the right foot in front of the other, you're not going to be successful at all. And, and sometimes it's, it's takes that, that evaluation of putting that microscope on where you are and being honest with yourself. Maybe you're not where you think you ought to be accessing that and being able to be honest with yourself. I think it's super important. Yeah. I mean, I've read Robert Kiyosaki, you know, I, I've been reading Patrick Beck David right now talking about seeing, listening to his story. He's a, a Dallas guy. Uh, yeah, there's just a, a lot of people that I listen to. I mean, Peter Schiff, he's somebody who just understands the economy, who resonates well with me. Uh, I listen to a lot of people who, you know, cover the economy, understand money. Uh, Dave Ramsey, you mentioned him. Uh, he's somebody who resonates well with me a lot. His mindset, his steady mindset uh, is so powerful. No, no one overly, I feel, changed my life. It's just a lot of little things that come together and has created a great amount of synergy. Yeah, yeah. just continue to gain information and uh, process it and apply it. Now, uh, let's turn the corner a little bit. Let's share a little bit of your wisdom, your financial wisdom with the audience, the, the listeners. What are some of the things that you say would can have contributed? Like, you know, you did something pretty amazing by reaching the millionaire goal at age 30. You kind of grew up with that mindset. As you mentioned, your dad had a very entrepreneurial mindset. If I remember correctly, your dad was always asking you, uh, what's your, your millionaire idea, your million dollar idea. Like, and you, you and him had con conversations about that. So he really gave you a millionaire mindset at a very young age. And you kind of grew up with that mindset. I really didn't get my millionaire mindset till I was 25 years old. Um, so as you were on that journey with your millionaire mindset and as it's matured and grown, uh, what would you say are some of the best pieces of advice that you would give somebody or some of yeah. your key learnings? Absolutely. Uh, start now. The, you know, one of the things that I've heard in the past, people overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in a decade. And that's so true. You know, I, I look back at the last 10 years and, and it, uh, it blows me away. I would have never guessed I'm where I am now and doing the things I'm doing. I wouldn't have thought I could even fit that many things in, but uh, momentum has built momentum. And I would say that, um, I'm sorry, what, what was the question again, specifically? Your, your, your best uh, financial advice. Yeah, best financial to build wealth. Yeah, is, is uh, start. Uh, start doing it. Start doing And one of the things that, I, that for me, I was not afraid of taking risk. Uh, and I think I understood, and that was one of the, the wisdoms I, I got from my father, my parents, is that you can take risks now because you don't have, you don't have a family. You don't have, you have time on your, all these reasons why you should do something sooner rather than later. And, you know, I'm not, that's not to discourage people who do have families or do have responsibilities, but it's to also say, you know, time is on your side and you can act now. And I can say when I was young, I would, I'd buy a stock and I'd put $500 in it. And that'd be like a lot, a lot of money for me. And, but I knew, you know, I was building something. I was learning, you know, I was getting education. And what was scary for me at a very young age is now second 
you know, uh, it's so easy. It's, it's nothing. It's, it's part of who I am because I started and I've been doing it now and time and time again, buying my first house. That was very scary for me. It's not so scary anymore. I've done it. You know, speaking to clients, uh, I, you know, maybe well, that was a scary thing for me at a very young age, but now I've spoken to tons of people. It's not so, not so worrisome. The first time I was ever on a podcast, I was really scared. And now I've done a few of them. I, I'm a little better at them, but I'm not the greatest. But uh, it's, it's not as worrisome as it was, you know, when I first started doing this. So it's, um, it, I, I think people need to take action because you're going to mess up. You're going to fail. You're going to experience things that you would have never thought possible because you're going to put yourself out there. Uh, and I'll give you a, like a little analogy. I, when I was young, you know, I grew up around the same area that I was born. I was within 15 miles up until I was about 28. And then at that point we moved to Texas. And I just remember uh, the travel, the having to learn new things, having to meet new people, the experiences, all the indirect experience that I was going to learn, leaving my comfort zone that has added to who I am today, added to my resolve, my resilience. And so I say all that to say is, is take action when it comes to your finances. Don't sit on your hands because you're losing time. You're losing the ability to compound. You're, yeah, you, you lose that compound interest at the growth on the growth end the years down the road. I mean, um, it's, it's your loss. Yeah, I think those are those are great points. Now, as you, what I loved what you said is start. So, like, I think a lot of times what keeps people from starting is they feel like they don't have enough experience or they don't uh, understand enough. The reality is, no one does, right? And so you learn as you do. And so when you start, the first time you do something is going to be the worst time you ever do it. You will be the worst at it the first time. And that's what you were saying. You know, you did your first podcast and you were like terrified and, you know, it was the worst time you've ever done it. But as you repeat and do it more and more, you gain experience and get better. It's the same way with investing and with your money. When you first start investing, you're going to make mistakes. Give yourself a little grace. Just don't quit. Keep kind of pushing forward, push forward, push forward. Now, the, the trick is don't keep repeat, repeating the same mistakes, right? You're supposed to learn from your mistakes, not keep repeating them. And I think that's a good statement from you. Now, you've done, as we were talking earlier before the show, uh, a lot of times people are pushing like one agenda. Like, you know, Dave Ramsey's thing is buy mutual funds. 15% of retirement into mutual funds for the rest of your life. Uh, you talked to Robert Kiyosaki. It's leverage other people's money, uh, go get real estate and leverage it, get two, three, four, five houses, uh, use other people's money to make you money. There's so many different ways to go out and become a millionaire. Now, in your case, uh, you've taken kind of like a multi-prong approach. You've done mm -hmm. several different things. Give me kind of a rundown of where you've kind of put your money over the years uh, to build up yeah. your net worth. Yeah, I, I'm most comfortable with real estate. I would say that, you know, owning my home along with investments over over the country to me is is safe. That feels great to me. I, I know people need a place to live. My houses aren't going to go to zero. My houses are, you know, my apartments, they're not going to go to zero. And to me, that makes me feel good. So uh, there's over 50% of my net worth is in real estate. And then I also own uh, stocks. I have, um, you know, U.S. equities. I own precious metal stocks. And um, I own some energy stocks. I think energy stocks uh, right now are uh, underloved. 
especially going into a potential Biden presidency. Um, but, and then I have Bitcoin. Uh, that's controversial. I know a lot of people, you know, who are more conventional. I, I, I've owned Bitcoin since it was a hundred bucks. Uh, and so I've done very well with that. And I credit that to just uh, anticipating what was going to go on in the financial markets, how people are going to look for other ways and other areas to store their wealth. And this technology was early stage. It was speculative. It, there was a risk in taking the chances on something like Bitcoin, but uh, I was able to follow uh, certain people and, and take uh, advice from people who said that this technology is here to stay and I, I'm super, super excited about the future of something like Bitcoin. And so I, I don't give people financial advice. I tell people uh, what I think is happening, what I think is going on the, in the economy and what I'm doing. And for me, it's about anticipating what is likely to happen in the future. And I think you have your overarching trends of of cash being destroyed over time. I know that's super, you know, uh, doom and gloomy, but I think just take it for what it is. I mean, even Ray Dalio is saying cash is trash. So what does that mean? Own things that are gonna go up in relation to cash. I think stocks are gonna do that. I think gold is gonna do that. I think real estate is gonna do that. Uh, unfortunately, I think if you don't own assets, things are gonna get more expensive on you and you're going to have to pay more to have that same quality of life as you did in 2018, 2019. Things are just going to keep getting more expensive. And uh, the middle class is going to continue to get crushed in this environment. Uh, rents are going to go up. I mean, all these things are going to happen because they're going to continue to inflate the money supply. And you're going to want to own those things so you, you stay on par with the rising cost of living. Yeah. And unfortunately, the statistics, and this is in my book as well, is, uh, you know, we're looking at the lowest percentage of home ownership in the history of America, right? So we've got more renters today than it ever before. And so people aren't benefiting from home ownership, um, especially in, I think, the younger crowd. You know, you bought your first house at 22. I bought my first house at 27. I wish I had started sooner than that, but I think people just don't understand uh, or take the time to learn what it means to buy a house and how important it is. Uh, to get that, you know, get going on that when they're, when they're ready, making the right choices. I've talked to quite a few, um, you know, people in their twenties that haven't started buying real estate yet. They just feel like they're, they don't want to lock down or make a commitment to a certain area or location. But what they're really delaying is uh, they're continuing to make somebody else rich by paying rent and they're not gaining any benefits from their own money. They're actually just flushing their money out the window. So um, there's, ca I mean, and there's caveats to that too. I mean, if you bought your home now and then needed to sell in a year, you were probably better off renting, right? You know, uh, I mean, there's all those things and, you know, maybe the market doesn't move, but we've just seen a, a hockey stick in terms of what prices have done over the last 10 years. So it's been very harmful not to, not to own. I mean, even if you held on for two years, you probably lived for, for free in a way because, you know, you owned the home, you paid your mortgage, and then you, you sold it in two years. You're probably going to get out even, you know, after you pay all your expenses. And I'm not saying that's going to go on forever, but that's the, that's the risk of, of not owning your home. And I think that's going to continue to happen. The rich are going to continue to get richer because, that's just, that's just the nature of the dynamics. And especially if we continue to go down the route of socialism, 
uh, I think I think we're going to see that trend continue. Did you say the route or the rat? The route. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ratty way to go too. Well, hey, one question. This is the first time I'm doing this on the show, but I think I'm going to start doing it on a regular basis. Um, we need to always be learning about money and growing our knowledge base. So, uh, Kenneth, what's the, the number one financial book other than The Millionaire Choice that you might recommend for somebody to read today? Patrick Bet David. I got it right here. Let me, let me grab it for everyone. Your Next Five Moves by Patrick Bet David, Master the Art of Business Strategy. Uh, I think it's a great book. Uh, people can get some real insights on where they are, what they want out of life, and, and really be real because so much of what we do in terms of business is, is uh, different. I guess, you know, your goals, my goals, some people want to own a private jet and live this crazy extravagant lifestyle and other people, maybe they're just good paying their bills. You know what I mean? And so uh, this book really helps you understand who you want to be and live a very fulfilling life when it comes to business. Because I think a lot of us don't know what our goals are. I mean, we get to a certain place and we're like, is this it? What are we doing? Are we happy? You know what I mean? Like you, you experience all these weird uh, emotions when it comes to your life. And so um, I think just really get, get, putting a microscope on that and understanding what you want from your business, from your wealth and, and where you want things to go and not necessarily comparing that to somebody else because somebody else might have different dreams. Some people want to, you know, private jets and and change the world. Other people, you know, want to just have a small town business and, and that's fine. Uh, so uh, I encourage people to actually uh, check this book out. Uh, it's a really good book and uh, a lot of insight from it. Well, awesome. Well, Kenneth, I really appreciate your wisdom, appreciate your inspiration and what you're doing and especially with Crush the Street. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, uh, learn a little bit more, get involved, plugged in, uh, draw on some of your knowledge, where are they going to find you? What do they need to do? Yeah, go to crushthestreet.com. You can reach me there and um, you can sign up for our free newsletter at Crush the Street. Put out a couple emails a week. Uh, won't bother you too much. But uh, if you like this information and you want to follow me on, you know, my thoughts on the world, my thoughts on how it's going to impact us financially, go to crushthestreet.com. Well, Kenneth, I hope you have a wonderful day and thanks for being on the show. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode of The Millionaire Choice. Remember, wealth is a result of getting smarter with your money. Wealth helps you enjoy life and help people. For resources, tools, and a community that will accelerate your millionaire journey, go to themillionairechoice.com. The Millionaire Choice Show shares the opinions and experiences of people and should not be considered financial advice. Before making your own financial choices, please seek out a registered financial advisor or certified financial planner.